Welcome to another episode of East Texas News Roundup. This week is part two of a special two-part podcast featuring East Texan athletic hosts Brian Besh and Jason Klopik, joined by Craig Irwin for a roundtable discussion on UIL district realignment. Welcome to another edition of the East Texan Athletic. My name is Brian Besh. I'm from the Polk County Enterprise. I am with Jason Klopik of the Trinity County News Standard. And we are also joined by Craig Irwin. And if you know that name or if you recognize his voice later on, you have probably heard him calling Cold Spring football. Or I think Ken's probably sucks you into a basketball game or two or maybe some baseball and softball. Sucked me into a little basketball, a little baseball. I've done some softball, some Livingston Lions softball, Lady Lions softball. And then, of course, we do our weekly pregame show there on 102.3 The Eagle. That's and- right. Also, my sports page, 590N High School Sports on Facebook. You can find me there and uh, give us a like, give us a share over there. So he's been around a little bit. But what we're going to get into today is a little UIL realignment. It is the biennial event that everybody looks forward to whenever they don't like the district that they're in. Or uh, For if, some, it goes from bad to worse. Absolutely. It goes um, to bad to worse. And your Cold Spring Oakers Trojans um, really didn't see a lot of change in either their football or basketball districts, for that matter. Not much at all, really, uh, in the 3A classification with District 10, I believe. is what District 9, 3A Division 1. Yeah. So not much of a change for the Trojans. We lose Franklin and we pick up Huntington. So so that's a for sure win, considering how bad Huntington's been historically. Hey, man, but you got to give them props. Playoff. Last two years, beat Tarkington out. Yeah, they just had to win one game. Both years. <laughs> and anytime you can get Franklin out of that district, it's it's going to be a win for anybody. You're, Absolutely. Yeah, you're exactly right, Franklin. I dreaded going out there this last year, and they steamrolled over the Trojans. There was more to it, but we were missing our starting quarterback, and it's like everybody's head was down when they got off the bus, and they was just waiting to turn around and get their McDonald's on the way home. Franklin runs that slot T offense where it's based on cut blocking yes. and up to. It's an up-tempo running game. And if you're a defender, particularly in the front seven, you don't like to play against teams like that. Not at all. You don't. And their front six, five, controlled the line of scrimmage all night long. Uh, So much so that they was able to run out of the gun through the second half and just change it up a little bit, Franklin was, and just a powerhouse that they were. I feel sorry for whoever's in their district down in the 3A Division II level. And that's that's pretty rough because they drop down, and, and they're going to have it a little bit easier. Basketball gets it a little bit easier over there as far as the travel. You don't have to go to Houston Harmony or Hempstead is the other one that they drop. Instead, they pick up Harden and... Tarkington. Tarkington is the other one. So yeah, Tarkington's be- another big surprise looking up uh, that was at the 4A level last year, dropping down to the 3A Division One, and we'll talk about their district as we get a little bit further along in this podcast here, but Tarkington, big surprise for them, and a big relief really for the fans down there on the prairie is they're able to drop down into uh, 3A Division One and play some football there. Yeah, now Tarkington and football – they're in with um, Woodville and East Chambers, those guys. So they're still going to have their work cut out for them in football. However, oh, most definitely. in basketball and volleyball, they've always been a powerhouse in volleyball, but they should do better in those sports considering that they're now one of the big dogs instead of big one dogs of the in, the, in the small pond or big fish in the small pond. Yeah, big fish in the small pond. So with them being able to drop down volleyball wise, it's going to put them back in that state contention in my book for the volleyball program for sure. And they traditionally 
traditionally have a pretty good basketball team over there in Tarkington as well. And all the girls' sports over there seems to have had some level of success at one time or another, the past couple of decades even. Yeah, most definitely. The biggest loss that Tarkington's had was they lost the Denise Johnson, which was their volleyball coach, what, three yeah. years ago? Yeah. Losing her really hurt, and that was more of a trying to think of what's the right way to say it. There's not really a right way. You had an athletic director in there that his ego was a lot bigger than what the program was. And sometimes you have to let things go as far as what program is being successful. And whenever you pull a coach such as Denise Johnson out of there, the program really drops down. Tarkington has an off-season volleyball program that's unbelievable. And those girls start at six and seven years old Yeah, down oh, yeah. in that area. Yeah, if you're a girl in the Tarkington area, you grow up wanting to play Lady Longhorn Volleyball. Yes. Now, one school that I'm going to be interested in to see whether or not they petition to get out of District 233A is Anderson Shiro, because the closest school to them was Hempstead. Now that Hempstead is going south with East Bernard and bullying into 243A, I would not be surprised if they petition to get into 243A, which would make... 243A District of 9 and leave 233A District of 6. Well, it wouldn't surprise me if they let that happen. I mean, nine-team district's pretty deep. I mean, but whenever you're talking about volleyball, basketball, baseball, those schedules run pretty deep. It's not a 10-game schedule like football is. So that really does open it up for those possibilities to have that nine-team district. It's just what's going to happen on football. Yeah. And it's going to be a pretty rough drive from going from Harden to Anderson Shiro on a Tuesday night. Yes, it is. That's, yeah. And that's what you got to look at yeah. is the travel. I've said this for a number of years. What in the world is the UIL thinking whenever they sit down at, at some of these districts? I mean, we'll talk about Livingston. Livingston, for a number of years, it was either Golden Triangle or College Station. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing. but Kind of like Lufkin where they're the border. Yeah, there's but there's nothing in between there. Now Livingston's yeah. in a position to where there is some in between, and they're able to reap the benefits of that. And speaking of Livingston, for basketball, they're in District 21-4A with Shepherd, the other 4A school in our five-county coverage area. And they've got Hardin-Jefferson, Huffman-Hargrave, Hampshire-Finette's. Which, that's going to be a hike to hampshire Fournette because they're on the coast. And the two new ones out of that is Harden-Jefferson and hampshire Fournette. Kind of a surprise. I was just talking to Coach Vanover a little bit earlier. And that's going to be a little bit bigger of a drive than what they had these past couple of years. Tarkington is the one that drops out of that district, and they add those two in. And football over there, it was just like they expected. Vider's going to jump in where Bridge City falls out. And, you know, that Bridge City falling out of there, I paid attention to the numbers, but wasn't paying attention to Bridge City's numbers because they're not as much relevant for what I cover in my area that I handle. But looking at that, I mean, I seen that they dropped out and I'm like, well, Splendora's going to get to breathe a little bit because that was a win that Splendora had yeah. was against Bridge City. But, you know, that district was really tough on them. Just one year later after Splendora going undefeated through district play kind of turned the tides. It's going to be interesting to see how this district goes around bringing Vider into the mix there for this district. It should be really interesting. Vider obviously is uh, somebody that Livingston had in a district a few years ago whenever they were down there with PNG and Nederland and all those guys. And Trinity and Cold Spring are not only the same district for football, but they're the same district for basketball, which also features one of Brian's schools on Alaska. Mm -hmm. So the UIL kept those teams together for the most part. They kept those districts together. And it was really hard overall for the UIL to 
for lack of a better word, screw that up because of how many teams were right there. You yeah. know what I mean? At the 3A level with Trinity, Crockett, Onalaska, and New the, Waverly being right there. You can even get into other districts there with the Woodvilles and Warrens right Correct. there, Corgan, Camden on that north yeah. side even over Donald. there. Yeah. Yeah, so I hate it because one of these days I'm really hoping that Cork and Camden can get in there with Onalaska and Cold Spring and all these area schools that are in our coverage area here. But it seems like there's like three points there to where they're all going separate ways. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that would be a fun district to bring Cork and Camden into there, even as much so as looking at Dieball bringing them in. You sit there and kind of look at that district and you look at the state rankings for basketball right now. You got Crockett number two, Cold Spring number five, Die Ball number 20. Just those three right there. Yeah. That would be a fun district to watch. I got to watch Cold Springs Crockett through the pre-district schedule and man, a lot of fun. Yeah. Crazy good athletes. Now let's talk about Shepherd. We mentioned earlier that they're in District 21 4A with Livingston and that district. However, in football, they're in District 10 4A Division 2, and they're going to have their work cut out for them with Carthage moving down from D1 to D2, and Jasper's been a good team, Center's a good team. Madisonville's had a couple of good years, too. It's going to be um I tell you, you sit there gauntlet. and you look at this district, you're exactly right. It is a gauntlet, more like Murderer's Row. Really, for the Shepherd Pirates is Carthage defending state champion. Center made a deep run. Jasper made a deep run this last year. Madisonville had more of an off year last year, but it's like every other year Madisonville has that big year. And if you look at if history replays itself, this year is going to be one of those big years for uh, Madisonville. And then Rusk, not, I don't know a whole bunch about Rusk and what they did last year in playoffs, but you sit there, you can almost name one, two, three, and four for your playoffs right there and, and me sitting there looking at Shepard not in that four. Carthage has won a state championship three of the past four years and they've done it in a larger classification. They did it up there in division one and talking to coach Robison earlier and he's just saying, you know, there's speed, speed and more speed and it's going to be really rough. They're talking about appealing and trying to get up into four, a division one which would put them up there in the Livingston's district with the Splendoras and, and the Huffmans. And, and you say that. I talked to Coach Robinson and I. We grew up together. He grew up literally about a mile from my house. And we grew up together, and we talked about this early on when the numbers came out, about him petitioning. Uh, I remember the, you saying this back in November. Yeah. yeah. So I sit back and I look at it, and for his sake and the kid's sake, I hope that that is – something they can do and that's a district it doesn't make sense to the average joe out there well if you're in division two you're the smallest school in the state how's going division one going to be more favorable for you but really and truly if you line up the athletes for athletes yeah they're really more comparable there on the field and if you go back and look over the last two years the games that were played against now last year the game against splendor was canceled due to almeda or whatever her name was Amelda. Amelda, yeah play livingston down to the final play of the game right and that was first game of the season. Sure. So that was a big game there. And I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but Shepard, if this holds up, they're going to be the second smallest school in 4A in the state of Texas. They yes. missed the cut by seven kids. So Unbelievable. I mean, you take that and they possibly could be in a, a big school in 3A, but you can jump up in a large school 4A. And I don't know that it's so much different as far as enrollment, as much as it is, you know, the, the type of kids, the area that the kids come from, they all know each other. They've competed against each other since literally Pee Wee. Yeah. And, you know, I can't imagine it's much different if you're putting on a high school uniform. They do it in every other sport. I don't see where football, you know, whenever we went to that game last year, you look at those two sidelines, there wasn't a difference in numbers. No, not at all. 
And, you know, you can go back even more so talking about the comparisons and stuff. You go back and look at the Splendora Tarkington Battle of the Bell matchup that's yeah. uh, been historic. And two years ago, Coach Stan Howard pulled the chain on that deal yeah. and canceled it. You put those teams out there, Splendora may have had a few more kids on the sidelines, but size wise, they're very comparable. Yeah. I mean, it was a, yeah. the problem Tarkington had, it wasn't athletes and it wasn't size the problem Tarkington had was coaching at that point coach Zach Bass is in there now this will be his second year with this realignment he's going to spend a lot of time down there in the golden triangle where he's very familiar with but I think he's going to get that program kind of in shape and hopefully bring that battle of the bell back because I mean that is a historic game in Texas high school football sure whenever you break it down there's a few of them out there but in southeast Texas that's one of the big historic ones a lot of rivalries around this area that aren't being played anymore it's a shame. Cold Spring Cleveland's another one that's not being played. Cleveland scratched Cold Spring. You know, Cleveland hired coach from Elkhart. I'm trying to remember what his name is right off the top of my head. It just blew by me. But Cleveland scratched Cold Spring from their pre-district schedule this year. And I got to imagine Livingston would want to play Cleveland. Yeah. Well, the thing with Cleveland is they're now 5A Division One. where just four years ago they were 4A Division One. Yeah. It just doesn't look good for a 5A to play a 3A in non-district. No, and I agree with you 100%. It doesn't look good at all. Cold Spring, last year they played Cleveland. Coach Taft was there. And Coach Taft and Coach Stanley, good friends, coached together up here in Livingston under Coach Randy Rowe, but decided to play that game. And it was a scrimmage is what it was, second scrimmage of the season. We played it there in Cold Spring. And I went and watched it. I stood down on the sidelines. And Cleveland had a lot of size to them. And Cold Spring pretty much handled Cleveland from Wilson to whistle but uh you look at cleveland's district this year in 5a division one district eight they're in there with college station conroe lufkin magnolia west magnolia new caney porter and waller so good luck another murderous row for the cleveland indians and it's been that way for them the past two years so they've gotten a good taste of what it's going to be like they know exactly what they're yeah it's you wonder if that coach took that job just to get that top pay for his pension (laughs) you know for his retirement (laughs) hopefully he can stay there three years right right and i think he, he said the right things to get the job I think he'll do the right things long enough. I mean, he had a heck of a program going on over at Elkhart. Elkhart played Cold Spring the last two years they played, and all Elkhart had to do was get the win to make the playoffs, not Cold Spring out, which was going in in the four seed, and made football games out of both of them. Matter of fact, two years ago, Elkhart gave the game away. It was fourth and goal from the three. Clock was still running with like seven seconds left. Quarterback takes a snap, drops back. He clocked it. It was an incomplete pass, turnover on downs. Cold Spring gets the ball, just has to get it out of the end zone, and goes to the playoffs. Wow. So, uh, and then turn around last year, we played in Elkhart, and Elkhart has a freshman. He was a freshman last year, quarterback, just an absolute dandy, mm-hmm. and he's going to be fun to watch. I'm kind of glad they're still in our district because I want to see how this kid's going to progress over the next couple of years. Jason, you got a couple of teams over there that are changing places in your districts. Yes, I do. The biggest change in Trinity County, we mentioned Trinity earlier. They're pretty much staying put. Groveton for basketball has the exact same district, is the exact same seven teams. However, in football, completely different cast. They are now in District 113A with Alto, Centerville, big Centerville, mind you. Grapeland, who moved up from 2A Division II, Jewett Leon, and Norman G. Interesting thing to note. 
all six teams made the playoffs last year in their respective alignments. Alto won its district and was knocked off by Joaquin in the second round, who Groveton then beat in the region semis. Centerville, Leon, and Norman G finished one, two, three, respectively in their previous alignment. We all know Groveton made it to the state quarterfinals, lost to San Augustine, who they were previously in a district with. Yeah. And Grapeland went three rounds deep in Division Two. And uh, we talked a little bit about Woodville, but... A lot of their district is staying put, still connected. East Chambers down there and Warren and, and everybody else in basketball. And so covered a little bit of Tyler County and San Jacinto County picked up Polk and Trinity. And who are we missing? We're missing Houston County. Houston County and Crockett for football is staying the Stay same. Staying put where they're at in that district with Cold Spring. That'll yeah. be Palestine, Westwood, Elkhart, Cold Spring, Trinity, and then Dieball and Huntington. That's going to be that district there that Crockett's in. And, and man, Crockett, did they make a nice little run last year into the playoffs? Absolutely upset Franklin. I did not see that Crockett beating Franklin through district play to end up in the two seed behind Dieball, who won the district and went two rounds deep and really thought they were going to make a deeper run in the playoffs than what they did. Now for basketball, Crockett is pretty much staying in the same loop with Buffalo, Elkhart, Franklin, Grosbeck, Westwood, and Teague. One note is they picked up Fairfield, who dropped down from 4A. And I mentioned Groveton earlier was in the same basketball district. They've got three Houston County teams in their district, Grapeland, Lovelady, and Latexo. And another thing we need to note, this involves three of our counties, Apple Springs and Chester, and we talked to Ray Woodard, the Chester football coach. Yeah. Their football district is pretty much the same. Coach Woodard predicted that Trinidad would go north. They did. He also predicted that Chester, Apple Springs, and Oakwood would stay together. However, they did not get Dimebox as the fourth team in their district. They got Calverts. Mm. So it's pretty much, how can we make this district a little more difficult for Apple Springs and Chester? <laughs> and, you know, here's my deal with UIL and the way that they change these classifications and everything else and the travel is the expense that it puts on school. At a small yeah. school, one, two, a school, there's no tax base there. Their budget's very low and financially to travel the distance that some of these schools are going to have to travel, you know, for these football, basketball and such. I was looking at just going back at the Shepherd football district with the travel that they're going to have. I mean, yeah. aren't they just what two and a half, three hours from Shepherd? Yeah. On a bus, easy. On a bus, easy, you know. And you're talking about a junior high and JV football squad having to travel up there on a Thursday, play, and get either they're going to have to leave school early to be able to make it up there for a 5 o'clock game and then have to turn around and come back, play for two hours, and then travel three hours on a bus getting home after midnight. It just makes no sense whatsoever. I, I hope that Coach Robinson can get his wish and get moved back up to the 4A Division One level just for that aspect of it. And yeah. to the cost, I mean, Lord knows Shepard has their own foes going on right now with the TA and moved in over there and sure. everything else. And they're really penny-pinching their budgets and such. It's in that aspect, it's going to make it hard for the Pirates to be able to travel. It's one of the things he mentioned today was, was the travel that he was going to be hating that for his kids. And I think every athletic director I talked to today mentioned – how we don't really need 12 different classifications in football. And and really, I mean, that's what we have. When, yes. And with, yeah. with the basketball and volleyball, I mean, just looking at the maps today, everything seemed to have 
some sort of organization to it and makes sense. And I really don't see a need for 12 different classifications. It just seems like, I mean, we know the money that it's going to make at the end of the season when you have 12 different championships, but it seems like the bill's being handed down to these small schools. Well, and the, Absolutely. Only, the only organization that's profiting off of any of this is the UIL. They're getting their 13% off the gate and everything else. So why not have more classifications that's more football games. And I think you're just killing these schools yeah, with gas. You are. you are. With gas and travel and, and the time that they're spending away from home. I mean, thank God that the gas prices aren't up about three fifty a gallon like they were just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if your biggest concern is academics and family and everything like that, I don't see how you can justify it. You can't. And the other thing is, the biggest excuse for having two divisions per class in football is football is a numbers game. Well, okay, this year in District 28, Class A, Centerville and Oakwood, neither one of them had enough girls to field a girls' basketball team. So basketball, when you hear that, is obviously a numbers game. Leggett hasn't had enough girls to have volleyball the last two years. Yeah. Volleyball is obviously a numbers game. And there are some schools that have to cancel baseball because they don't have enough pitching. Right. So Dude. every sport is a numbers game. You cannot justify football over everybody else as being a numbers game when every sport. I mean, it's it's a everything's game. a numbers game. But whenever you're talking about football and one school's got you know 42 and the other's got 52, I don't see the difference in five, 10 kids. I, I just don't see where that's a big deal. I mean, some of the best contests that we went to, I know Livingston's kind of been on the low end of, of 4A the past couple of years. But, you know, going down to a place like Orangefield or going down to a Shepherd or somewhere like that, I mean, they can't compete in a district. I mean, Shepard was a nice drive. It's 10, 15 minutes away on a bus. Right. Instead of going down and playing a district game or what's supposed to be a district game in somewhere like Little Cypress, Mauriceville or Bridge City. Most definitely. Yeah. And you're going down there and the game's not competitive at all. It's not even yeah. fun to watch. I mean, I'll be honest, on my side, on the broadcasting end, I'm glad I'm not doing Livingston Lion football with traveling down there. And it's not that Livingston's a bad team. It's just the athletic numbers are greater yeah. down there yeah. and the skill set. You know, Coach Vanover's doing a good job here in Livingston. And yeah. I look for another year, maybe two, that program's going to start changing. You know, he's just getting his feet wet here in Livingston. Last year was the second year. So it's given him that opportunity to build that program at the junior high level, which is where it all starts. Sure. Build that program at the junior high level and let them convert over into high school, much like Coach Morrison did up in Dieball with the Lumberjacks. I mean, you think about it, the seniors he graduates this year, they were seventh graders whenever he went to work there in Dieball. And that's a product of full circle. Coach Morrison's athletic program from seventh grade all the way to your senior year. And talk about die ball. I mean, that was one of Coach Vanover's stops. Uh, and he's he's done it everywhere he's been. He's made some sort of turnaround in every stop that he's been to. It's, so it's got to be just a matter of time for these guys. Just real quick while we're talking about just here locally, uh, Coach Stanley just sent it to me, the Cold Spring pre-district schedule. You got Harden, Jefferson, Lumberton, Shepard, and Tarkington on that pre-district schedule. So I like to kind of set up Lumberton and Shepard there for the Trojans. Harden, Jefferson, we've played them the last couple of years. But putting Tarkington in the mix, that's going to be kind of new for the Trojans and kind of revert back to some old district play back, what, seven, eight years ago that Cold Spring was in with Huffman and Liberty, Tarkington, Cleveland, Shepard, Cold Spring. That was a fun district back in the day, but it's going to be nice to have Tarkington back in the mix as well. Another one of those things that you you notice in all those games, it's not a ton of travel. And Correct. They, they try to pick some games that are close by. Lumberton and Hardin-Jefferson, two furthest ones. Hardin-Jefferson, it's really not a bad drive out 105. Lumberton, just a little bit further out, still not a bad drive. 
drive. It'd be real nice if Lumberton was coming here the first year. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick. Right. But uh, I'll make sure to take full advantage of it. I'm just dreading our the back end of our schedule through district, having to go to Palestine, Westwood, and Elkhart. Those are long drives from uh, – I work in Houston. I actually do have a real job well, during the day. Going to Westwood no matter where you're at. <laughs> I really like Elkhart Stadium. I, I kind of like those old-school football stadiums. And Elkhart's one of those. And I, I mean, I've been in some of the premier press boxes that are out there. Heck, I've done games at NRG and at Cowboy Stadium. Well, Elkhart's just like being at NRG when you're in the press box. Most I've, definitely. I've been up there. That's yeah. lovely. Good echo the yeah. whole nine yards. It, it, we sat on one end, the house announcer sat on the other, and there was nothing in between us. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being in a barn up there. I've been sitting on this for a couple of months. Uh, Coach Van overhanded it to me, but the 2000, I guess, 2020 and 2021 non-district football schedules for the Livingston Lions, they will start out with Concordia Lutheran. They will then play Dayton in game number two. They will play Orangefield, just as they have the past couple of years. They have switched out. They had Caney Creek over there for game four, but that has been switched out with Die Ball now. Caney Creek had, I think, nine district games over there. And that last game is going to be with Madisonville. Those so that Caney Creek swapping the die ball, that's gonna be that's a really good move there for the Lions. Caney Creek, it could be an ego booster for some of the kids to go down there and get that win, but they're gonna gain so much more by playing uh die ball that pre district schedule. And really Dayton is another good pick. Dayton in the hunt right now for a new A D may have hired one and I haven't read it yet. Uh, I believe they have. So Dayton and Livingston had a rival going there for a long time, and that's going to be a fun game to have back on the schedule and a lot closer to home than some of the others for the Lions. So uh, Dayton's going to be a nice one. And then Madisonville, not a bad drive. And, uh, it's not. I think that's going to be a good football game for the Lions yeah. as that, this program is really progressing from what it was three years ago. Yeah. Uh, that Caney Creek game, the only thing I hate about it, it was a really good game. They It was a district game at one time. They had it over there. And and it's always nice to go over there at Conroe. It's a nice stadium, nice press box over yes. there. Yeah, no, that it is. In Moorhead Stadium, if you go play it over there, that is a nice stadium. done a few games there. Texas I call it classic. the Bowl. Yeah, yeah, it really is. That's one of the legendary stadiums that's out there in the state. It's old school, but it's new school all in one. Yeah, I love Moorhead Stadium down there. And Orangefield was, has been a pretty good game this last couple of years. This past year came down to the last couple of minutes over there whenever we were down there, kind of a rainy, foggy night, something like that. It's, weather was kind of off but close game over there and another one of those games where you you stoop down and pick up a 3a school a large 3a school but you look at the two sidelines and the two rosters are basically you got the same amount of kids yeah they're pretty equal and you know orangefield that's out of down there in that area i've done a lot of football games through the years whenever i started doing cleveland and stuff orangefield is one place i've never done a football game down there i've done bridge city i've been all over the golden triangle but uh, have not been to Orangefield. Another press box that I got squeezed into last year. <laughs> you Jason, know, Rob. Jason, you you got a couple of teams that you haven't mentioned of yours yet. I mentioned my three Trinity County football teams and the districts that they're in. Um, I have not touched on District 27A, which features Apple Springs and Centerville Trinity County. They will stay together and they will stay in the same district, which is now 27 Class A. And they will have Kennard, Wells, Laneville, Natchez, and Oakwood. It will be a district of seven, where the last two years it was a district of nine. La Pointer is moving back up to 2A, where they rightfully belong, and Chirino is moving into Bryan's District 28A. Chirino will compete against 
his good retorts and um, legged pirates, and uh, I believe we've got uh, High Island is on the the very south end. You got Torino on the north end, Highland on the south end. You got Leggett and Goodrich, and Burkeville uh, will be Zavala. far east, and Zavala, yeah. And dropping down Manchester. out of that, yeah, yeah, and dropping down out of that is Spurger. Uh, actually, moving up from that will be Spurger. They're moving into one of my other schools. It'd be Big Sandy over there. So it'll be Spurger, West Sabine, Big Sandy, Colmanil, Brooklyn, and Broadus. So some of that staying the same. A couple of those changing out for seeing some fresh faces over there in District 24. One thing that intrigued me about the 2A basketball is the district in Southeast Texas with Holday Zeta, Evadale, Deweyville, Sabine Pass, and... West Harden, I believe, is now District 25. They're now in Region 4. Yeah. Would it not have made more sense to have them stay in Region 3 and maybe move one of those Central Texas districts into Region 4 where they could be paired off with the district, the Brazos Valley District with Burton and Iola? You ask a lot of people in Big Sandy, and they would like to go down to that other region if if at all possible. I think they really liked it down there whenever they were in a district with Hold Aizada and all those guys. And it made for much better runs whenever Big Sandy was making those big playoff runs in basketball. But uh, it it's... Some of the travel is is uh, not bad, and some of it has been a little bit out of the way, especially these last couple of years. But I really think they liked in that other region whenever they were over there. But uh, it just makes more sense to have all of East Texas in one region. One region. No, I agree with you 100%. And I think they did that uh, two years ago with the realignment with uh, like Shepard or something in football. Yeah. It, it was totally different. It's like there was a strip running through there that was Region 4. Everything around it was Region 3. It just didn't make any sense. Of course, we're talking about the UIL, and, and I've griped about them for the last, I don't know, I've been doing this. My page, I started in 2012, and I've been griping about it since then. So I think we're just going to be the latest in a long tradition of complaining about the UIL whenever there's realignment. But whenever you look at the map for volleyball, basketball, all that seems to make sense. Whenever you start getting in a little bit of travel, it's I think it's because, and it's like every athletic director has said today, they don't like the divisions, and there's no need for it. Now, I do not logically understand how Apple Springs, Texas could be considered in the same region with Rock Springs, Texas. They're in two different parts of the state, and they are in two different climates. I mean, Apple Springs has, you know, typical Gulf Coast yeah. climate or off the Gulf Coast. Rock Springs has probably hasn't seen a drop of rain in probably three years. Right. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah, it's totally two different ends of the uh, atmosphere, really and truly, if you look at it, because they are so spread apart. It doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we're not making the big money that the guys up there in the UIL that sit there and look at these numbers. I, I don't get it. I wish they would take everything, go back the way it used to be, take two teams to the playoffs and be done with it. Or even yeah. three. I liked it back whenever they took two. Well, and even they did it three, but one go big, one go small, go play ball. Absolutely. Well, since that time, you've expanded from two to four, and so you've doubled it there, and then you've doubled the amount of classifications that you have, really. You've yes. gone from six to 12, so you've – I mean, it's exponential, the amount of playoff teams, and that's why you've ended up with teams that maybe have one win on the season or, or maybe they haven't won a game all season, but they just have four and we teams that can about, make it. Well, and you and I talked about that briefly uh, after a cold spring basketball game yeah. back in late fall last year, early winter is a couple of years ago, I can remember you had teams making the playoffs with zero wins. Zero wins. It was down That's there in Houston. Yeah, that is. It really is. The UIL needs to have 
a written apology to every team that ever finished 9 and 1 or 90 and 1 who missed the playoffs that is a complete lack of logic well, and you get into some of these smaller basketball districts i know i don't remember if it was last year or year before but down in the 1a level you had schools that were actually ranked that missed the playoffs because the districts were just so stacked and they're yes. all you know just fighting one another and you've only got a certain amount of teams that can get in with a losing that's, record that's 1 and 25 on the season yeah. Won one game in the district, and that put them in the four spot. And yeah. taking up good air in the playoffs whenever they shouldn't even be there. It's bad. It's And there's no perfect way of doing it. It seems as though if we're going to go to the trouble of making districts, it seems that it should be somewhat local to begin with and then, then worry about your level of competition and, and the amount of attendance that a school has. Well, for anything other than football, in my opinion, you get through district and then break it up into tournament play. Yeah. You know, do a uh, double elimination tournament and you can do that for two rounds, then kind of set your seating to go into the state championship game. To me, you can do that with basketball, volleyball, baseball, track, not so much. But if you go through those three big sports there on the boys and girls side, you can set it up and make it more competitive. And then you got the right teams going to the playoffs. The ones that are deserving, you got them going into the playoffs and let them make that push then. And you could almost break it up into a uh, area tournament and then do a regional tournament and then go into the state championships. Uh, that's the ideal to me the ideal way to go and then you put the right teams into the playoffs guys i think that's going to wrap us up it's been fun craig i really appreciate you coming in and spending some time with us and talking some uil realignment and guess we'll be back i think it's going to be a monthly thing now and it's what i've been told anyway so whenever they make me work again then we'll all three be back or a subset of that three and we'll see you next time well i appreciate you having me (laughs) super bowl chips